I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word because it's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And as I step back, I ask the Spirit of God to step up to teach your people your word. And I thank you because his job is to lead us and guide us into all truth. And so, Lord, we receive the word right now by faith. And I thank you that our minds are ready. Our hearts are ready. Our lives are ready to be changed in the name of Jesus. And I declare for signs, miracles, and wonders to follow our lives as a result of this word. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. We're currently in a series entitled Creating a Faith Diet. Everybody say creating a faith diet. And the whole purpose of this series is to change our palates from flesh to faith with the end result of us being able to live by faith on a consistent basis. And so last week, if you were here, our message title was Creating Faith Habits for Your Life. And uh, I would encourage you, if you'd only heard the message one time, is to go to our podcast, which is on our website, listen to it that way. You can go to our YouTube channel, listen that way. And most of you may not know, but we have a Word of Truth mobile app. You can just download it on your phone, whether you have a, a uh, iPhone or other phones, and they can... <laughs> Come on, don't take that wrong, don't take that wrong. I don't want to list all of them, but, but you know, uh, it's not that many. What's the next, what's the next type of phone? What is it? An Android phone. Okay, well, praise the Lord Jesus for Android phones. So if you're taking notes, the message title today is Walking by Faith, Not Walking by Sight. Walking by Faith, Not Walking by Sight. And the message today is designed to give you some principles and some examples that will help you walk by faith so that you can experience God's best. Because here's the thing. When you learn how to use your faith, you will experience on a consistent basis God's best for your life. Amen. Now, last week, we identified four faith habits that Jesus had in his life that we want and need to activate in our lives. And I was going to give Give the person $100 who could give me all four habits if they could remember them. But I don't have time to do that, so I'm going to list them for you. (laughs) That wasn't meant to be funny. Okay, here's the first one. The first habit Jesus had that we need to incorporate is that he attended church on a regular basis. So just touch your neighbor and say, he's talking to you again. The second faith habit Jesus had that we need is that he read God's word on a regular. Say on a regular. Number three, the third faith habit Jesus had is that that we need to incorporate is that he confessed the word in and over his life on a regular. And then the last faith habit we talked about last week was that Jesus uh, did on a regular basis. He pleased the father on a regular basis. So if you have your Bibles, find second Corinthians chapter five. We're going to look in verse six. And then go to Matthew 14, verses 22. That was 2 Corinthians 5, 6 and Matthew 14, 22. We're going to stay in Matthew 14, 22 for a while. But in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6, 
It's a familiar verse, but I'm just reading verses five so you can, or verses six so you can hear the context. It says, therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we are home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Verse seven, I want you to read it with me if you can. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Let's see, let's say that again. For we walk by faith and not by sight. One more time. For we walk by faith and not by sight. When you look the word walk up, it actually means live. So when you and I learn how to walk by faith, you learn how to cling to your dream with the words you've heard. When you learn how to walk by faith, you will learn how to cling to your dream from the word that you've heard. Because the only thing that will outlast adversity is the word of God that you put in your life. Now, faith results will only be experienced to the degree that you and I are willing to step out on the word and obey God regardless. Say regardless. Regardless of your circumstances. In other words, living by faith is a choice. And the day you and I decide to live by faith, watch this, will be the day that we consistently experience the more than abundant life. Now, before we jump into the lesson, I want to give you four types of life. You have the more than abundant life. Remember, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it more He didn't say have just an abundant life. He said more than abundant life. So that's the first level. And that's the life that you live by faith. But then the second level of life is just an abundant life. And this is just a life full of stuff. Anybody can have this life. Unsaved people can have this life. In fact, Luke 12, 15, Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of things that he possesses. So you can have or live a life that's abundant and have a lot of stuff, but stuff does not necessarily bring you peace. Amen. And here's the, you know, I heard somebody say, well, I still don't mind some. Well, you can have some. But I'm just saying, when your life is surrounded with just stuff, you will have a life that most people like in Hollywood have. They got a lot of money. They got no peace. Amen. They have a lot of toys and a big house, and their kids are strung out on drugs. So then you have you have the more than abundant life. You have the abundant life. Number three, you have an average life. And this is a life that looks no different than the average person. It's a life without purpose and direction. The average person has no clue where they're going in their life. They have no clue what God's purpose is for their life. Amen. And then the last one is a below average life. And this is a life driven by circumstances and sustained by blame. I'm going to say that again. This is a life that is driven by circumstances and sustained by blame. It's always someone else's fault. And until you take responsibility for where you are, it's hard to move forward. Because as long as someone is to blame, you will be stuck in the past from what they did. Oh, that's good. You are with me? All right. So is it possible then? mm -hmm. Let me interview you for a second here. Is it possible that I can have an abundant life in my finances and a below average life in my marriage? Absolutely. And that happens to people. See, your word level determines your uh, success level. So you can trust God with your money and you can work hard and he's going. And if you give right, he'll change your life financially. But if you don't put some word in your heart about what kind of marriage you ought to have. Then watch this, you'll have a successful financial life and a raggedy married life. 
because I was thinking about it like from a, the standpoint of a teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, we have we have a teenager, but it's like having four of them. But anyway, so when you talk, when you say something, and a teenager a lot of times will look and say, "Well, if you had done this." Well, mom, you didn't tell me, or you didn't remind, you know, it's always like deferring it onto somebody else. When really, in that particular case, it may have really been their responsibility to do it, but it's easier to shirt the responsibility and go, you know, well, if you didn't do that, I wouldn't have done this. Or I'm not friends with her anymore because she did that. You know, it's a lot of always deferring. And so when you were reading this, I realized, whoa, and I was thinking to myself, I can have a below average life in one aspect, mm-hmm. even though I'm living an abundant, because I think the more than abundant life is a, is a life that is, uh, that God is present in every aspect. He's more than abundant in every area. Right. So I think that sometimes I, I, you can be living abundantly and still below average in another area. And see, you know, people don't understand that, uh, you can have a more than abundant life financially or even physically in your health, but if you don't have a good relationship in your marriage, that's like having a lot of money, but you're living in hell. I mean, thank God after 23 years, I still like my wife. I mean, I love her. That is the, you know, I, that's why I married her. But I still like her though. See, some of y'all are married to people you don't like. Okay, we won't get on that one. Let's just, that's, that has nothing to do with what I want to talk about. Well, I mean, the abundant life includes No, everything. because I can see the conversation on the way home. Honey, do you like me? <laughs> if they ask you that, just say, by faith, I do. <laughs> Don't you do that. Don't you do that. Don't do that. All right. When you choose to live a more than abundant life, a life of consistently living by faith. Watch this. It actually becomes a supernatural life. In other words, when you live by faith, you live supernaturally. And that's when life becomes a journey. Life becomes fun. Everybody say years ago. Years ago, you know this story, but I'm going to incorporate it into living a life of faith. Because when you live a life of faith, your life becomes unlimited. You know how you have the different phone plans, you go, you got this, many, you got, and then you have that unlimited. Well, when you live by faith, you live in the unlimited zone. And uh, years ago, I'll, I'll never forget, uh, I was working for a church and I was uh, closing the church up. We had a big conference and it was late and I was locking it. My job was to make sure the, the church office and building was shut down and all the lights were off and, the, you know, everything was set for the next day. So I did all that and, and uh, in the midst of, closing the doors and cutting the lights out, I had an urge to start praying in the spirit. So I started praying in tongues. I didn't know why I was praying in tongues. It was about 12 something in the morning. So, uh, you know, I'm locking up the building and there was some trash I needed to take out. So uh, I, I went outside, I, I locked the door. I put the trash on top of my trunk because it was heavy and I didn't want to carry it. So I got in my car and I had, you know, the kind of keys where you can separate them. So I had my, my car keys separate from my house keys. And so when I put the trash bag on my car, I didn't realize I put my house keys up there too. So I, you know, when I emptied the the trash, I just got on the highway and I got there and, and all of a sudden I heard something go. 
And I was like, what was that? And I looked in my rear view. I didn't see anything. And I just kept going. Well, when I got home, my wife was asleep, of course. And uh, I realized that what I heard slide off of my roof was my keys because I couldn't get in the door. So then I circled back. I went all the way back and, uh, and tried to go back to the spot where I heard it. And, and uh, you know, how many know uh, that if it's like one something in the morning uh, and you're driving on the highway with four lanes, it's going to be kind of hard to find some keys. So I did it like three times and finally I was like, forget it. I'll just get them all remade. And then the spirit of God spoke to me and said, because you remember when you're living by faith, you have opened your life up for God to speak to you. See, here's the problem. Most people, they want a verbal word from God when they don't respect the written word of God. So, you know, God spoke to me. He says, no, go back around now and follow me. So I get back on the highway and uh, I'm going probably about, I don't know, 35. And uh, as I'm driving, the Holy Spirit says, now, now get over in the, on the uh, that lane. What's that lane called? The, the shoulder. He says, get over on the shoulder right now. Get over on the shoulder right now. He says, now, now go slow, go slow, go slow. And then he just says, stop. So I stop. He says, get out of the car. I get out of the car and where my headlights were shining, my keys were sitting right there. Because living a life of faith, watch this, it unlimits you to what life may do. And let me say this, life is going to be about taking faith tests. Because you'll never have a testimony without first taking a test. And the thing that, you know, that happens is most of us don't realize that doing the tests and trials and temptations of life, the only thing that's happening is our faith is on trial. How do you know how strong your muscles are until your muscles re- meets resistance? Well, how do you know how strong your faith is if it doesn't have an opportunity to be exercised? And that's why I love James 1, uh, 2. It says, my brethren, count it all joy, not sadness, when you fall into diverse temptations. Why? Knowing this, knowing what? That the trial that we're trying, when you look it up, it means trial. The trial of your faith works patience. In other words, anytime you and I go through difficulty, the only reason we're going through it is to determine how strong our faith muscles are. Hey, what's the end of the verse? Because uh, I know you know this whole chapter by heart. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, so that patience will... Have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Okay, that's important because here, you, when, when we're going through something, no matter what it is, it's very difficult to count it joyful. Right? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm going through something, that joy is not the first thing that comes to my head. Running away, shutting down, going under the covers, crying, calling my dad to find me a ticket. I mean, you know, any of those options are the first things. But joy is like after I have stomped, cried, whined, acted like a drama queen, then I go to God and go, okay, I'll think about joy now. You know, but here I realize that he's saying count it joy. And On the front count end. It joy. On the front end. Because we know something. Now, what it says here, where's your scripture? No. It says, knowing this, you can count it joy because you know this. We know that the trying of our faith has an end result. That end result is patience. But when patience is complete in that work, then we are wanting nothing. So the trial ends up with us actually being better off. Right. Being stronger. And more full and more complete and more in the abundant life. 
But if we miss that knowing on the front end, if we miss that joy portion on the front end, because you need joy to endure the temptation. You need joy to endure the test. You need joy to help you carry through. Why? But if we can't because the joy to, of the Lord is, is your, your what? strength. Is your strength. Yeah. Now go to Matthew 14. We're going to stay here real quick here. Matthew 14, I'm going to point out. Now this is a story that you're pretty familiar uh, with, but I'm going to point out some faith principles in this story. It says in verse 22, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to go into a ship and to go before him to the other side. Say the other side. The other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, when he had sent them away, he went to a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth night, or the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on what? Walking on the water or walking on the sea. And how many know that's not natural? That's not natural. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea or the water, they were troubled, saying, it's a spirit or it's a ghost. And they cried, saying, uh, and then he cried out of fear, verse 27. But Jesus said to them, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, where did you doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Now, here are some principles on how to live by faith and not by sight. Here's the first principle, number one. uh, And that is, in order to live in faith, let me see, uh, uh, number one. In order to live by faith, we must walk in the faith zone and be willing to get out of our comfort zone. I'm going to say it again. We must be willing to walk in the faith zone and we must get out of our comfort zone. If you're going to walk by faith, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone, which means now you're going to have to do some things you're not used to doing. I remember when God told me to leave corporate America, to go to Jamaica, to go to Bible school. Number one, I didn't want to go to no more school because I had already been to college. I was tired of reading. And then the Lord tells me to go to Jamaica. But what I didn't realize is going to Jamaica and my obedience and walking in faith to do that was connected to a promise that God had made me when I first got saved. When I first got saved, God told me, he says, Evan, you're going to marry somebody who's not from America. Now, I had never, ever dated someone outside of being American. So now God told me, hey, you're going to you're going to marry somebody who's not from here. I never connected it with going to Jamaica. And God had told me, and I have the journal to show it. What did he tell that you? He, that I would marry somebody who was in Amer- from America. And I described you in my journal. Mm. Remember, I showed it. Yeah, it said he was going to be fine. No, that is not what it said. Tall. Remember. That is not. It did not say A chocolate Hershey's bar. <laughs> with a kiss on top. Praise the Lord. So watch this now. Watch this. In verse 28, stay focused. Stay in the, stay, stay in the spirit. Stay in the spirit. We must stay focused. Verse 28, watch what it says. And Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, if it be you, if it be you, bid me to come up on the water. Now, let me just point something out. Peter really walked out on the water in curiosity because Jesus had already said it was him. 
So he said, well, if it's really you, then, then let me do this. So here's principle number two as we walk in faith. In order to walk in faith, you must have a word and not a feeling. Walking by faith, you must have a word and not a feeling. Notice what happened in verse 29. Jesus, after Peter said, if it's you, tell me to come. Watch what he said. He said, come. Because faith is not about what you can do. Faith is about what the word can do through you. See, most people, they can't walk by faith because in order to walk by faith, you have to walk by the word. And in order to walk by the word, you got to have one. Amen. Faith is not taking a leap on a feeling that you have, but faith is taking a leap on the word that you have. Listen, you can't step out on something God hadn't said to you. And this is why when people are making major decisions, my first question to them after I asked them, you know, if they prayed about it, because most Christians are going to say, yeah, I prayed about it. Then my second question is going to be, well, what did the Lord say? And most people can't tell me what the Lord said. You know why? Because the Lord hasn't said nothing. Now, watch this. Hebrews eleven eight. I love this verse because it says, by faith. Everybody say, by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, watch this, to go out into a place which he should receive for an inheritance, he obeyed and he went out not knowing where he went. Most people just read that and think, oh, he went out because he didn't know where he was going. But he still, by faith, he went somewhere he didn't know where he was going. No, no, no. Remember the first part of the verse says, when he was called out. In other words, you can't walk by faith until God calls you out to do it. Don't never leave a place until he's called you out to do. Amen. Walking by faith, Abraham was called out. He wasn't pushed out. He wasn't frustrated out. Somebody right now, you ready to quit your job? Don't do that. No, no. Don't quit out of frustration. No, no, no. No. He was called out, not frustrated out. He wasn't pushed out. Remember, sheep are led, not pushed. He leads me beside still waters. See, if you don't watch it, frustration will be leading you, not God. Amen. So let's look at principle number three. Here it is. Walking by faith always produces incredible results. Walking by faith always produces incredible results. Look at verse 29. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, watch this now, most people don't realize this, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter walked on the water. How many know walking on the water is not natural? Right. Amen. It's not natural. And watch this. Whatever Jesus used to walk on the water is the same thing Peter had to use to walk on the water. Now I'll show you later what that is. Amen. But faith is not about what you can do. Faith is about what the word can do through you. Here's here's principle number four. Walking by faith requires a focus on what God has said and not on what you see. Walking by faith requires focus. Everybody say focus. Focus on what God has said and not on what you see. Look in verse 30. But when he saw, when Peter saw, when he saw the wind was boisterous. Listen, first of all, you can't see wind. What what Peter saw was the effects of the wind. And see, when you and I, when we're walking by faith, you're going to have opportunities to see the effects of things that can try to contaminate your faith. And so he saw the wind 
and he beginning to sing. Now let's just make some sense out of this. So you mean to tell me that if the wind wasn't blowing, he could walk on water? Now, see, what Peter didn't know is that what he was doing was supernatural and it had nothing to do with the wind. And when you and I are walking by faith, it's supernatural. It has nothing to do with what you're currently seeing. And that's why you cannot afford to walk by sight. When you walk by sight, you're considering all the facts. The doctor told me, Pastor Evan, I have five months to live. Well, is he God? On that note, um, the part where it says he began to sink. You know, there becomes a, comes a point where you begin to sink. And mm. so when Pastor was telling me this uh, message this morning, I was telling him, you know, when we had Landon, you know, everything, you know, we believed for him. And then he came out. He was almost 10 pounds. Like a big old juicy baby. And, you know, okay. And so he came out. And all throughout the delivery, I mean, you know, I, I got, got as many epidurals as possible. You know, they're like, well, you should have him natural. It's very natural. It's very natural for something to come out of my belly in any way, form, through your throat, whichever way. It was very natural for me. Mm-hmm. So I got all, every epidural known to man. And then... uh my blood pressure was fine, like 120 over 70 throughout the whole time. And then we, uh, the, then they said he start, he was shaking. They said, oh, right. we're doing They, they started doing tests on, you know how to do tests on babies, on make him. sure. And so the first time they came in and they said, oh, he's shaking. You know, did you have, di- do you have diabetes? Because he may have diabetes. And I was like, I don't have diabetes. No, no, no. And then right behind that, they came and said, oh, he failed a hearing test. And my blood pressure shot up to like 150 something over something. Never ever before. And I mean, I started going into panic. And I was, you know, like, you're just, you know, trying to control. And I knew it was a they had to put him in ICU because his uh, blood sugar right. was all, not right. You know? All of that was going on. And I'm like, you know what's going to happen? And I mean, I'm now freaking out. And, you know, here freaking come, you know. Freaking out. Freaking out. Here's Steady Freddy over here like he has no emotions or feelings. You know, here's Steady Freddy. I walk by faith and not by sight. You know, whatever. Okay, so... <laughs> I not want to hear none of that. Okay? I wanted to hear, You're right, babe! What's going to happen? We need a... Oh, I, I wanted him to be like John Q. Do something! Do something! <laughs> John Q went to jail, didn't he? <laughs> but he was over there and he would say, He said, Sweet. Sweet. Hey, he was like, listen, what he began in you, he's faithful to complete it. That's right. Didn't God bring us this far? Isn't he here? The bigger part of the miracle is done, sweet. He's here. We got to still trust him. And I realized that I began to sink in my faith, even though what I had prayed for was in my arms. No, I thought the fight should be over, but we were still fighting. And I was now ready to abandon the faith that had gotten me my promise already. But he was faithful to complete it. And he would not have manifested it if he was planning to leave me midway. And I realized that I began to sink in my heart first because of what I was receiving from the outside. And in that moment, I went from the abundant life to the below average life in my heart. Because the change doesn't come from the outside. Change comes from the inside. 
and the inconvenience that pastor's talking about, the comfort zone, I would dare believe it's the comfort zone of our habits, the comfort zone of our heart, the comfort zone of what we're used to, the comfort zone of our way of doing it, the comfort zone of our understanding. I believe that's what it is because in that moment, my comfort zone was to react and to panic and to fall into fear. That's my normal MO. See, some of you out comfort zone is being on that job you've been on for 20 years and you want to make more money, but you don't want to change. Right. See, the faith zone requires change. Correct. Now, if you notice here, I said that walking by faith requires focus. Everybody say focus. Look in verse 30. It says, but when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. I love that. He says he was afraid. You know why? Because anytime you start looking in the natural, fear will always be produced. Mm-hmm. Amen. But then if you'll notice, it's, it says, but when he saw. Because anytime you, your butt get in the way, you're going to begin to sink. Anytime you put a butt in there. Well, they said the butt, 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 butt. Look at your neighbor and say, get your butt out of the way. Go on and tell them. Get your butt out of the way. Hello. Here's principle number five quickly. Doubt can always be controlled by maintaining a picture of faith. Yes, that's my point, what I was saying to you. Doubt can always be controlled by maintaining (laughs) a picture of faith. Because watch this, it says, Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said, Oh, you of little faith, where did you die? Let me just just point something out. Remember I told you that Peter and Jesus had to use the same thing to walk on the water? They both had to use faith. But see, Peter's faith got distracted by what he was looking at. Now I have a question that I want to ask you that you may not have ever thought about. How did Peter get back to the boat? I keep thinking it up. How did he get back to the boat? Oh, Jesus did not carry that grown, rusty man. I know we see that picture, you know, and Jesus carried, you know, it was four steps, two sets of footsteps, and then all of a sudden you only see one set, and it's Jesus carrying you. Jesus ain't going to pick your rusty behind up. Because you are going to have to walk by faith. How did Peter get back to the boat? Peter walked back to the boat. And that's why sometimes we are having to retake some faith tests because we flunked the first one. Yeah, yeah. But listen, be of good cheer. Because listen, the same God that started is the same God that can finish. That's right. Yes. And if you will trust him, let me tell you something. Peter walked back to the boat. Jesus gave him another opportunity. And I believe today God wants to give some of you another opportunity. On that, I, w- I want to give you an assignment. Um, when Pastor was talking to me in the hospital, you know, with this just untroubled, calm self, you know, and he kept saying it to me, he's the author and finish of your faith. Sweet. If he brought you this far, he's not going to leave you. He, you know, he, he kept reminding me. In reminding me of the word, I had to, it helped me recreate the original vision and remind me of the original promise. And some of us have strayed away from the original vision and the original promise. And you don't realize how far you can, because for example, um, uh, you know, I remember when we went to marriage counseling one time, one of the many times, but this one time they had, <laughs> I wonder why. Gotta go, gotta go. Listen. 
Amazing. One time, I love, I loved this assignment. So take this assignment with you and you can do it in anything, not just marriage. But they had said, you know, describe what a 10 looks like to you. Each person had to do it individually. What does a 10 in a marriage look like to you? And so if a marriage, a 10 to me looks like, okay, we're always on the beach in Jamaica, walking down hand in hand. We don't work. We don't do nothing. We just live like that. That's probably my 10. Okay. And then his 10 is probably a marriage that we can communicate. Okay. If we put that together, we realize we're on two different, we're on two different visions, mm-hmm. right? We don't have a complete picture. So how can we have faith for what's incomplete? So when we're moving and we're beginning to sink, there's nothing to remind us, hey, we're supposed to be using faith to walk towards this. Or it, it could be a job or in your business or it could be your kid. You know, we do that with our kids every year. What's your goal? What's your vision? What's your desire? To remind them that when you begin to sink, hold on, hold on. No, go back to 2018, the beginning. What did you say you were going to do? What were you believing God to do? What was the picture that you had? God had birthed in your heart? So when you begin to sink because the teacher is upsetting you and your friend is making you mad and all that. No, no, no. Go back to the original let me, picture. Let me use a real example so when uh we needed that piece of paper signed oh my goodness and the steel company said they were going to sue the builder if they didn't sign it and the prophet called us he didn't even know my name i had to pronounce it he didn't know how many kids we had and he saw uh the deadline was like on a friday he didn't know that and he pronounced he says oh i i commend this to end friday And so uh, I can't tell you how the devil just was trying to mess my mind up. They're not going to sign that. They didn't sign it the first time they were supposed to. Or the time before, the time before, the time before that. You know, because this is the second time the steel company said they was going to sue them, and they didn't do it the first. And so the devil said, they're not going to do it. They ain't got no signing. And see, and this is where now, uh, watch this. I had to get a vision. I had a vision that I was going to walk up here with the piece of paper and say, it's signed. Now, what I didn't do is what most people do is when doubt becomes to come, doubt does not flourish until you say it. So instead of saying, oh, I don't, baby, I don't know if they're going to say, you know what I said? I said, oh, no, no. The word promised us that he was going to plan us in a place of our own that we move no more. And I declare that in Jesus name that we're going to move to 8201 Welfare Road. God's going to plan us there and we will never have to move again. I had to confess what was on the inside. And some of you here, the devil's trying to squeeze the promise out of you. Yes, yes, yes. He's trying to squeeze it out of you. But if you'll just get in agreement and stay on that same page with God. The same God that did it last time. See, I'm talking to somebody right now. We're going to stop right here. Somebody's on their second marriage. You prayed for this person. You believed God for this person. And now you want to walk away from this person. From your answered prayer. Wait, how, why? 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 You're walking by sight. You're walking by sight. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Here's my question. What are you walking by sight on? What are you walking by sight on? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. I pray that whatever we've been walking by sight on. We will lay it down at the altar of your feet right now. The Lord's telling me the devil knows your, he knows your button. And he will push it through anyone that he knows that can affect you. 
But Paul said, none of these things moved me. And Father, I pray today that our church will not be moved by what they're going through. They will be moved by where you're taking them to. Give them a vision for where you are taking them and not what they're going through. And I declare in Jesus' name that as we decide today to walk by faith in every area of our lives, you're going to move, you're going to direct whatever we need, you will supply in Jesus' name. But every head still bow. Here's my question. If you die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Because if you're not, I want to pray for you. If you need to rededicate your life today.